This is Seam Change, where we chat to Aussie fashion creatives who are collaborating to find and remake textile waste. I'm Julia English, and this podcast forms part of my PhD research at RMIT University. I've been interviewing these designers and wanted to invite everyone to listen in as they share their experiences. Their thoughts and mine are our own and don't reflect either the university or any other companies we discuss. I'd like to acknowledge the Wundjeri people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast was recorded and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today, I'm chatting to Marcus Crook, co-founder of Homie, which stands for Homelessness of Melbourne Incorporated Enterprise, a not-for-profit which supports young people affected by homelessness or hardship. He's also the creative director of their offshoot brand Reborn, which remakes damaged and unsold stock into new designs, which is what we'll be focusing on in today's talk. Reborn by Homie was launched at Melbourne Fashion Festival in 2020, with their first collaboration with Champion following soon after. They used returns and damaged stock and cut, sewed and printed them into new pieces, the brand growing from there, using both Homie's damaged or unsold stock as well as other partners, such as Nobody Denim, Up Apparel, Intercarry and of course Champion. Reborn has also taken home some awards in acknowledgement of the work that they do, including as a finalist for Victorian Premier Design Award, and they also received a gold at the Australian Good Design Awards. In this episode, we'll talk about the organic growth of Reborn and how their various collaborations came about. Marcus also shares about how being a not-for-profit plays into the brand and what this offers their partners, as well as how he sees the space growing in the future. This is Seam Change, and today we are talking to Marcus Crook about Reborn by Homie and how they are collaborating to redesign wasted textiles. Thanks so much, Marcus. It's lovely to have you here and to have you being a part of this research. To kick it off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Homie, Reborn, and how they all started? Yeah, so yeah, my name's Marcus Crook. Yeah, I'm one of the co-founders of, of Homie and, and then uh, Reborn, which sort of came along a bit later, but starting with, with Homie, it started out as just a Facebook page and a bit of awareness piece around homelessness and we're trying to break down the stigma associated with that. And yeah, it became, you know, it sort of evolved into what it is today, which is a streetwear clothing brand and storefront which offers opportunities for young people experiencing homelessness or hardship to get into the workforce. So that was how Homie started and then Reborn, when did that one kick in? Reborn sort of came about um, at the end of 2019. We don't really have any waste at at Homie because we give all of our clothing away to people, you know, experiencing disadvantage um, who come into our stores to collect free clothing so towards the end of the year though we we had some excess clothing that hadn't already been allocated to those vip days so uh, i did a bit of a crash course of sewing with my mum, and we started to puzzle together some pieces you know some one-off pieces that 
we chucked online and just under the the homie brand and people sort of got around it and were were keen on that unique one-off garments that you know you sort of can't get anywhere else and that they sort of become a bit bit more like a an art piece i guess and i think the fact that that no one else can get it is sort of the driver for it as well that yeah people are sort of moving away from that mass produced stuff that you might see someone else wearing they're looking for something a bit more individual so yeah so it was just making stuff at home and you know getting some stuff printed over the top of um, excess garments and and then I ran into I, I met Chloe who had just finished her um, degree at Leeds University in the UK and she just moved over here and her final collection was all made from secondhand t-shirts yeah and it was sort of you know, just a serendipitous moment that I got her to come on board and, and help me out and build up this brand called Reborn. And we, we decided to brand it so, you know, people would know that, oh, that's a brand that's using excess clothing or secondhand materials. There's a lot of people doing upcycling and repurposing, but there hadn't really been a brand that sort of branded it as such. And, and that was sort of different approach that we took there and yeah we launched that at Melbourne Fashion Festival in March 2020 yeah it's been going along ever since partnering with brands like Champion and Nobody Denim and yeah various other local brands it's it's all sort of grown organically and it's now it's about how do we sort of scale that and offer more opportunities and more jobs for local creatives sounds like it was really the ball kept rolling, I guess is a nice way to describe it. So I know you mentioned a few of the brands you worked with. So who was first and how did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did it happen? Yeah, so the first brand, I have to think about that because I think it was the Champion Collection. Yeah, we have a good relationship with Champion. They're uh, you know, a real authentic partner of ours. They're heavily involved in our Pathway Alliance program. They offer job placements for young people within our program. Also provide us with business support, you know, for the wider team as well. So they've they've been a really strong partner of ours. And yeah, we were, were supposed to do this collab with Homie, um, and it got pushed back a number of years because of COVID and the like. So in the meantime, we we were like, well, should we? test one out with with reborn do you have any excess clothing do you have you know returns or faulties that we could upcycle and repurpose and of course like every big brand they have a lot of excess and a lot of returns and faulties so that was just a natural progression to partner with with champion and that collection was overwhelmingly received publicity all around around the world for that collection it was really quite amazing and that sort of was the catalyst and the kickstarter to uh, for for us anyway that you know this is actually a valuable brand that can really uh, make an impact on the waste and textile problems that are that are out there involving landfill and yeah so that sort of you know kicked it off and then um, we partnered with another local brand boy wolf who is also our printer and one of our suppliers and he also had stuff that he had been sitting there for years and we repurposed and upcycled that as well. Yeah, so it's just about partnering with brands that had stuff 
lying around or that was going to go to waste or to landfill and, and we just sort of intervene, repurpose and, and upcycle that and try and get it back into the ecosystem with a bit of circularity. So that's that's the plan. Very, very cool. What I'd love to know with the champion, you approached them, it happened, it was really a great Kickstarter for you. Who came next? I guess painting that sort of story. Yeah, so from that we realized that you know it's it's not just champion that have this have this waste problem it is a major issue within the fashion industry worldwide it's something that doesn't get as much recognition as you know the start of the supply chain i think there's a lot of brands combating the materials and the manufacturing process and the treatment of workers but we're sort of lagging behind a bit on the the end of life cycle and that full circularity piece, there's no great or real solution for recycling textiles. There is some in the works. Adrian, who's actually on the board for Homie, he um, is about to build a textile recycling plant um, up in Queensland. So that's really exciting and, and we're really keen to be involved in that as well. But yeah, there's no real solution due to the chemical makeup of, of clothing. Yeah, so after you had worked with Champion, I know you had a project with Nobody Denim. How did that one come about maybe by comparison? Was it similar, different? Yeah, so that was um, sort of similar. We have known John Condales for a number of years. He's been really good to us at Homie since we started out, you know, five or six years ago. So, yeah, it was a matter of just approaching him with the same sort of rhetoric around do they have any excess denim that we could use we we'd done a lot with champion we'd also worked with 2400 which was a music licensing company and there is a real problem in the music industry with tour merch that it doesn't get it doesn't go to charity shops or it doesn't be resold after a tour it's simply thrown in the ground and that was something that I learned as well that you know it was pretty alarming because we took 3,000 units of T-shirts from them and diverted them from, you know, going straight into the ground. So that was, they were next and we are still working on those T-shirts because there were so many. But it's been, there's been learnings along the way and, and after we'd worked with T-shirts and, and hoodies and track pants, we, we wanted to try out using denim and, and that was something different and new and, and unique and something we'd always wanted to do. And, and the partnership with Nobody Denim was really great. They allowed Chloe to to work out at the Nobody Denim factory in Thornbury and, and that was a huge learning experience for her to work on, you know, new machines and and work with a, a new fabric as well. There's a lot of, you know, different brands that we're, we're really keen to reach out to and, and um, link up with. So with that denim project, can you talk to me through the making process? Who's responsible for what? Do you normally make it in your own factories? How's that done? Yeah, so Champion sort of is like our base product, I guess. You know, we receive their returns and faulties, but also have received some of their excess stock and that's pretty regular and ongoing. So yeah, that's all made in-house here in, in Collingwood, in the warehouse where I am right now. But the Nobody Denim project was was different. We don't have the machinery to work with denim and they had all the resources out at their factory. So that was a different situation. Chloe worked out there for a couple of months. Um, so it was still us making it. We did make one style that 
was all different panels of scrap denim, but it was the same cut and fit. So we put that through the manufacturing process at Nobody Denim. That was a unique one in the way that we sort of worked on it together with them. But all other collaborations we've done has just been us making making the garments. So it's exciting area to be in. I think there's huge opportunity to for local design and manufacturing, for local creatives. There's so many talented people in the industry here and there's also, you know, a lot of waste and, and excess fabric and clothing. So there's huge opportunity. You've just been telling me about the making process. I would love to hear a bit more about after you've made it, Obviously, you produce a lot of imagery and it's sold. How is that done? How does that work? So we've made it. We've created a lot of imagery, which we do as well. And then it all goes online to our website at homey.com.au. And we usually do those releases on a Thursday night, once a month. And, yeah, now we've worked out that around 30 pieces is, you know, the right amount to be putting online at any one time. That's how the online system works. We also are opening up a pop-up space in the warehouse. So that's really exciting as well. So we can have people come through and customise garments, whether that's heat transfers or embroidery on site. So that'll be really exciting. And thinking about the nobody, did you guys, did you sell it the the nobody range as well or did they help you with sort of that point of sale side? Yeah, so that was a bit different too. We sold it on their website. It was also sold in their store on Brunswick Street because it was a pop-up activation for Melbourne Fashion Festival. So that, again, was different to what we've done previously and, and what we usually do um, given those circumstances but all the other times it is on our website. Was there like a reason that you did it differently with the Nobody Denim? I guess because we thought that that would have the most cut through. They already had the, the denim customer. We were using all of their product. That was sort of why we went with that. I'm not sure if it would have worked better on our store or not. That That's a good question. And obviously you guys are a not-for-profit. So if you're happy sort of to discuss a bit of the finances, I feel like they can be really shrouded in mystery around how people navigate that, particularly when you're in a partnership. So are you happy to maybe share a little bit about that or just what you're comfortable with? So Champion send us excess clothing and uh, their returns and faulties for free. We don't have to pay for any of that. They sort of see us as a solution to their waste problem as well. They can actually receive a tax receipt for the product as well because that's a form of gift as we're a, a DGR registered charity as well. So anyone we partner with, um, we can actually offer tax receipts for the value of the product that they're giving us, which they probably couldn't sell. So it is actually a win-win for for everyone involved. As for Nobody Denim, yeah, that was the same. We produced all the garments and uh, we didn't have to pay for any of the garments and we, it was just the ones that were put into more of a production. We, we just had to pay for that time that went into that um, from their end and that just came out of the sales of the garments. But everything else has been, yeah, uh, they've been really kind to, to give us those products 
Yeah. Um, Intercarry was was a little bit different, which is one we just done previously. We met Luke a couple of months ago, and and you know he's an up and coming very talented designer and, and working in the same space as we are and we were really excited to partner with him and provide that unique offering of bags that was just a straight 50 50 split with him and uh, we're really excited to help promote his brand in any way we can as well um, we just love working with local creatives and brands We're just talking about intercarry. Tell me about how that one started. We came across his work a couple of months ago and really loved the, the concept and, and very similar to what we're doing in terms of using waste materials and you know excess products. So it was just sort of a natural a natural ask and something we were really excited about. He's also a young guy as well that just trying to get started in this space and, and anything we can do to help out in that regard. And we were so pumped with that collaboration. We were, the product is just amazing. He's so talented. Yeah, and we're hoping to continue that line of product throughout the pop-up stores that we open and, and, and in our shop at Homie as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's a great partnership and yeah, something that we hope can continue. I always love finding out where people first met. Can you remember where you first met him? Oh, it was just through, you know, through Instagram really that I reached out to him and asked if he would be interested in working with us. It wasn't till later on I asked him to come over to the, to our warehouse and, and meet with us and, and we'd show him our space and, you know, see if he would be actually interested in, in partnering with us and, and he was. So that's sort of how it came about by just noticing, you know, his work and how talented he was. Yeah. Are you normally the, the person who reaches out to the people who you work with? Yeah, it's been mainly us reaching out to people. We have had a few reach out to us, some not particularly in line with our brand. So we've yeah, mostly reached out to the brands that we want to work with. And what do you think is like, obviously with Luke, you said, you know, there was a lot of similarities, but what are the things that appeal to you about particular partners? Well, I guess with him, it was just the creativity and the design, the way that those bags are designed and the way that it uses waste materials is is just amazing. And, you know, he's creating a solution to a problem and and creating a product out of it. Yeah, it was just incredible. And and we're, we're really excited to partner with him, but also brands that do have waste issues that are also sort of in line with the homie or reborn brands. There's plenty of streetwear brands, mainly local, that we've sort of partnered with so far. Yeah, because it's been, you know, sort of natural and organic and it's just been through connections and people that we've partnered with in the past, whether that's from from the Pathway Alliance perspective or an event or just immediate sort of network. So we actually haven't, apart from intercarry with Luke, apart from that, we haven't really reached out to anyone and, and said as an initial conversation, we've always had the connection or relationship already. So that's how, yeah, those partnerships have, have come about, but pretty keen to reach out to some to some other brands and start that conversation and, and build more partnerships. 
So I know you mentioned with Intercarry that it was a bit more 50-50. And from what I could gather from what I've seen, like they obviously did some of the production. So could you tell me a bit more about the waste in the Intercarry bags? What was its process from like it being a source from somewhere into it being a bag? A lot of that was champion product that was a small or extra small that we couldn't really use because once they are that small and then they get cut up and re-sewn and repurposed, they, they're even smaller. So that product we used as scrap material and other scrap material that had already been cut. We then printed and, and embroidered all over that material. It was cut to size, like a, a square shape that, you know, sort of was guided by Luke in, in his measurements. That was all cut as well as a backing sheet and sent off to him. And then that's where he put the bags together. Yeah, because it's something that, you know, he specialises in. We, we just provided the materials and, and the branding and we're really happy to work with him on those um, small carry bags that he put together. After they were made, they came back to you, is that right, for the imagery and the sales? Yeah, so we um, took all the flat lays um, and then did a photo shoot as well in the warehouse and and put them all online at our website. Yeah, and it was sort of a 50-50 in fact that, you know, we wanted to honour like the work that had gone into it. Obviously, we saw some materials and, and did that work, but then he put the bags together, but then we photo shoot. So, yeah, it was just naturally just like a 50-50 split was fair and reasonable. You mentioned that this was sort of a way for you to use up some of the materials that you otherwise struggle to with Reborn. Was that like a motivator or was that just an added benefit? Mainly just an added benefit. I sort of just was keen to partner with him anyway, just given that we're both in the same space trying to make the same noise. And yeah, it was a benefit, but we've also thought about what we could do with those smaller sizes because that has been a bit of an issue that apart from just printing on them there's not not a lot you can do in terms of altering them especially if they are faulty or need a lot of fixing so that ongoing constant search of things that maybe it's not just clothing that you could turn them into like we have you know thought of tote bags or other sort of materials we've used some small t-shirts as curtains in the new pop-up space and, you know, covers for all the machinery. So, yeah, it's just about using what we've got for things that we need. Hmm. Do you still have a pile of scraps at the end? Yeah, of course. Like there always is stuff that can't can't be salvaged or, you know, the trimmings of like sleeves or, you know, something that you, you have cut off. You can't, you can't possibly save absolutely everything, but I am looking at, you know, potential ways and what we possibly could do, you know, whether there's things we can stuff with those scraps or pillows or something. I don't know. I'm trying to find a solution. But there's not, it's not like huge binfuls. It's a box here or there. Yeah, cool. Is there anything that you feel like is really interesting about this work that you do or particularly anything that you've seen the differences between these different projects, say Champion, Nobody and Intercarry? Like I think we've been really lucky in the sense that we've had the freedom of the of creativity as well. Like all brands have sort of trusted us to create the initial garments and we haven't been hampered by anyone sort of 
saying that it should look a certain way or be a certain way. And that's the partnerships have been really, yeah, authentic in that sense that, you know, everyone we've partnered with has, has been really supportive of, of the cause, all the profits going to the programs that we're running here. So, yeah, it's just been, yeah, really thankful to everyone we've partnered with, not only for the product they're supplying, but the faith and the trust that we're going to create something unique and cool with essentially their product, which is not always what, you know, what brands would do and especially big brands who have such a name attached to them and have a big brand that they've worked on for years. So it's been, yeah, really exciting to partner with them and and have that freedom of creativity. Yeah, that freedom, you're right. It's pretty unique and pretty exciting. Do you think there's a reason why they've been happy to give you that much free reign? Yeah, I guess sort of, I guess there, A, there's like they have the problem of textile waste and it's a win-win for everyone involved. We are coming up, well, we think we're coming up with something cool and unique and and one-off and different that customers will like. Um, It also is really good PR for circularity and and using waste and excess product that would otherwise go to landfill. Um, It's also supporting young people in the community with design and manufacturing work and also within our programs at Homey, you know. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a pretty convincing argument to to approach someone with and, and ask if they're interested to get involved with. Yeah, not only that, there is the tax benefit if if they want it. Not many brands have taken a, have even taken up that offer, but that is another incentive if if it was to arise. When you said that initially, I was like, yeah, that's very good incentive. I think what's also really interesting with you guys is you are associated really closely with Homey and the work that Homey does. I would love to hear more about how you see the two running together or in parallel or how you view them intersecting in the long run. It's a bit of a good question because um, because Reborn is so new and, and it's been a bit of a pilot, you know, this past year or so, but we've really seen that there is a demand there for it, you know, not only consumer demand but brands as well like to, to do better and be more circular and we do provide that option and so I guess the trick now is to how to work out how to scale it, how to provide more job opportunities and, yeah, creative opportunities. Yeah, that that's the trick now is to try and provide more jobs and tackle more waste because we know the system works, but we are hampered by funding, obviously. It's not paying for the labour is, is obviously not cheap. If you're happy to talk more about that, I'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts about how that weighs up. Is Reborn really an ethos-driven thing or is there actual financial benefits for you guys? We're working more so on, uh, I think, if it wasn't for COVID, you know, it's currently sustainable as it is, but um, we're really hampered by COVID in the sense that we didn't have the homey store opened where we had product in there for you know, six months. So it is like a profitable business, but yeah, obviously we feel like we could do so much more and it's just about refining the, the strategy and, and, you know, we've worked on this online space. So we know that 
you know, 30 pieces in a release is, has the most cut through. And, but whether we do that maybe two times a month or do we do it once and then we have the pop-up store open once a month as well and ongoing product in the homie store, we, we feel like we can do so much more. Yeah, it is it is obviously tricky in the sense that yeah the the financial side of things and and keeping keeping it afloat, but it's like it's so important and we feel like this sort of business need needs to exist, so we need to sort of invest in it to get it get it off the ground and get it running, so we can provide more opportunities in the future. about I guess some of the challenges with Reborn what other challenges are there is this the biggest challenge how are you kind of going about that so I guess the uncertainty of the product also is a bit of a challenge like sometimes we get stuff come to us you know and it's a return from you know Champion or other brands and it might be faulty or stained there's always that so it's like a constant challenge of problem solving I guess but yeah just about that sustainability and and support as well it's like trying to take off in a plane while you're still trying to build the runway as such you know there's still a lot of work to be done at the surface level and to try and build that structure there because we have sort of really been just going with a flow and smashing stuff out and been going 100 miles an hour but it's like we really need to get that structure and so it can be a scalable profitable business when you say that structure, I mean, obviously, I don't want you to give away your secrets, but what type of structure do you feel that's missing at the moment? Oh, I think we've sort of ironed out like a lot of the kinks now. And, and you know, obviously, COVID hasn't helped businesses in any way in terms of planning because you plan for the past six months and sort of gone out the window. So, but we feel like we're getting to a, a place now that getting. Chloe on board more so in sort of like that leadership position with the team, giving her like, yeah, more agency to get involved with the brand a lot more. We're, we're in a better place moving forward now. We've been working on this pop-up space for, you know, six months now to get that up and running. So we're just going to try and test that out as well, uh, open one day a month potentially. But if there's a huge demand there, we'll, we'll be able to open more. But, yeah, everything's sort of still in its infancy and and pilot mode. So we're just sort of seeing how it plays out over the next year or so and and we'll be in a better position to work out what's worked best for us, I guess. You said you're in pilot mode, so I'm interested. Are you or Chloe full-time doing this? Like how much of your time is devoted to Reborn? Chloe is for four days a week. We also have Corin who went through the Homie program Two years ago, she is an incredible designer as well. She also works with us one day a week on Reborn. And I've sort of don't work as much on it anymore as I uh, sort of used to, just to as I, we're trying to get it up and, and running and off the ground and stuff. I was putting a lot of time into it, but obviously a lot of my time has to go into the homie brand as well, which is sort of the number one you know, driver of, our business and sort of has to be the focus because it is supporting our programs. It's really important that that is the number one focus whilst still providing enough support there to help with Reborn's um, growth and development. 
I think that's really interesting just to kind of hear the, the breakdown. So did you have any other sort of comments, things that you think would help give insight to me or to anybody else about this process that you haven't touched on? Mm. Well, we were really lucky to receive a grant from Creative Victoria uh, a couple of months ago. So that's helped us buy, you know, industrial machinery, so two overlockers and a sewing machine and an embroidery machine as well. So, you know, if it wasn't for the support on that front, you know, we might not be where we are today. They've sort of noticed and, and realised the potential in what we're doing. So that's the thing, if you don't, if you're not, trying and having a crack you're never going to know like you know who's going to see your work or who's going to get behind you so yeah we're really excited that creative victoria and, and we've had discussions with sustainability victoria there is a real desire for this these sort of businesses and this sort of circular model there well and truly is people looking for this sort of these sort of brands and and for fashion brands to to take responsibility in in their practices as well so i think we're sort of heading in the right direction and and if we can partner that with more local jobs and and design manufacturing and yeah i think it's a really exciting space to be in at the moment the more we move away from mass-produced fast fashion the better did you or chloe apply for that grant yeah so we actually won the premier's design award for 2020 uh, in fashion design which was a real huge surprise to us me and Chloe went to the awards night and sort of sat up the back and we're like oh yeah we'll come for a free drink and something to eat but we definitely weren't expecting to win the award but that was um, yeah really special and, and sort of solidified the fact that this is actually you know a desired business and product as such. And yeah, after that, we applied for some grants um, with Creative Victoria and were lucky enough to receive one of those. Jack, who works for the Homie brand, he works with grant funders and stakeholders and, and likes. So he applied for us. And yeah, we're really lucky to receive that that funding. And, and we're hopefully, hopefully there's more out there that we can receive because we know what we're doing works and we know the model is providing opportunities. It's also providing a solution. So the, all we need is sort of the funding and resources to be able to, to keep doing what we're doing. The award that you said that you won, that you weren't expecting to, did you apply for that? Yeah, so that was another award that we applied for, yes, I think, yeah. We won the Premier's Design Award for Fashion Design, but then they also won gold for the Good Design Awards, which was just a couple of weeks ago but yeah they, they sort of asked us to apply for that because it's sort of the same uh same sort of company that sort of run those awards i think um good designs australia yeah it's been great you know to receive that recognition it gives us credibility it also helps us if we do want to partner with with more brands and and get more people involved and apply when applying for funding as well all these things really will stack up and help as we're kind of wrapping up, I've got a few last questions for you. One is you've mentioned a few times the impact that COVID has had, but I'd be really interested just looking back at when Reborn started, how did that intersect with the initial sort of COVID issues in Australia? You know, did that change the direction of the brand in some way, shape or form? Well, initially it did because we were set to launch our very first collection at Melbourne Fashion Festival 
on the day that it was cancelled and the day that COVID hit Melbourne. So initially it had a, had a major impact and that was that was really disappointing given that we'd worked so hard on preparation for that show. But obviously it's completely understandable and if that event had went ahead, it would have been a disaster for Victoria. So they made absolutely the right decision. But when you're in that time and space, it's hard to see past that you know, initial disappointment. But yeah, so it, it really has changed a lot to mu- very much an online brand and space um, over the past couple of years. And it has made it more difficult because these items of clothing are one-off and individual and unique. You need to take a photo of absolutely every piece. You need to flat lay them all to get them online. So that that has been a major challenge for us is like streamlining that process and coming up with the most efficient process of getting them all online because every item is unique. It does take a lot more manpower in that sense. Yeah, in terms of e-coms because you're not producing uh, one item a thousand times or a hundred times or whatever. So that has been a bit of a challenge. There, there is yeah, always sort of, constantly trying to work out solutions to that but yeah that is the problem with dealing with a excess or waste materials and b those one-off products is a major issue when you're trying to do everything online my last question is for any other brands small businesses people who you would feel like are maybe your contemporaries if they wanted to work more in this space what would be your advice, your key learnings, your takeaways? There is so much opportunity in this space. We started out really small. It was just, you know, us putting together things on a home sewing machine to repurpose and recreate things. And there is so much opportunity there. And I hope that the industry catches on to that um, as well. Yeah, don't be shy to like also reach out to brands as well. Like I think we, we've only, you know, sort of reached out to our sort of initial connections, but there is a major issue there and, and all brands recognise that. Um, so if we can create solutions to a problem that they're facing and make it easier for them, it helps everyone involved. So just start because uh, once you start, it's always going to change and evolve and, and it has for us as well. It's very different to the way we started out, you know, it's grown and evolved. So the best thing to do is just start and um, you never know where it can take you. You can find out more about Homie and how to support their mission at homie.com.au and you'll find their Reborn subbrand there as well. They're also on Instagram at homie.com.au and reborn.homie. Keen to know more about me? You'll find me on Instagram at underscore julia.english underscore, where I talk about circular and sustainable fashion, as well as what my daily life looks like, from what I wear to current mending projects. I would love for you to be a part of my research. You can do this by leaving a review or liking or sharing the podcast snippets that I share on my socials. In doing so, you'll be opting in for your feedback to contribute towards my understanding of the value of this podcast and whether these interviews were actually helpful. I'd love to know more about what you liked, what you'd love to see more of, and who you'd like to hear from for future episodes.
Through sharing this podcast, I'm hoping to be more transparent about the way I do research. However, for the sake of a smooth sounding podcast, this interview has been edited for clarity, and some sections may have been cut if they're not suitable for public sharing. You'll find links to the transcript and citation information in the show notes. My PhD is funded by an Australian Government Research Training Scholarship and has had ethics approval through RMIT University. You can find my contact details in the show notes should you have any questions about the research. <laughs>